Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU Freeform Station of the Nation, live from Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. Thank you so much for joining me this evening, this afternoon, in the future, whenever it is. I'm happy to be here with you. And uh, this evening, we don't have one guest. Actually, we don't have a guest at all. We have zero guests. <laughs> you just have me for the hour. Although I do have a potential musical interlude if, uh, if we get to a point where we really need a musical interlude. I, I have something prepared for you. Uh, but this evening, we're going to be talking about surveillance. This is a so-called roundup show. This is going to be a surveillance roundup show because there have been so many news items about surveillance in the past several months. And I've been doing mostly shows with, with guests, uh, often book authors. And we don't have enough time after the interview to do a deep dive on a topic like this. And it's important that we do a roundup like this once in a while so that you, the listening community of WFMU and Tectonic, know what's happening in the world. And you can, you can take a broader view with me of the direction that the world is, is taking because the world is taking a certain direction that is being led by the big tech giants and their financializing partners on Wall Street and, and elsewhere. And not the only aspect, not the primary aspect, but one of the primary aspects of that direction is the central dependence on surveillance as a driving factor in the functionality and the economics of the surveillance state that is being built both by corporations and by public entities, both by companies and the state. That is to say, and the government. The government and big tech companies are closely partnered and even more so day by day. And so this, this centrality of surveillance is something that is common across all sectors of the economy. And so it's important for you to know as a citizen as an employee or contractor, presumably, of, of companies out there, um, how this surveillance regime is going, well, already is, I was going to say going to affect you. It already is affecting you. And the foundations are being laid for surveillance to affect you in much, much more intrusive and invasive and totalizing ways in the coming years. I'm, I, um, <laughs> I'm sorry to give you a spoiler alert that I don't, have a, uh, I, I don't have a whole lot of good news for you in this particular episode. I'm not going to end with, well, all of this is happening, but there's this silver bullet that I'm happy to point you to that's all going to make things better. No, this is simply a show where I'm going to be making some observations, d really practically not even observations so much as just reading off factual accounts of what's already happening. Observation almost sounds like I'm doing some analysis and, and giving you my, my take on what's happening. It's not really that. I'm going to be telling you what's happening from reputable news sources. And, and the stories that I'm going to be reading to you are, uh, most of them have been covered by multiple news sources. I'm just listing one of them. Uh, we don't have time. It'd be quite boring, actually, to say this following story comes from, you know, these eight different uh, media sources. Anyway, we're going to get to the surveillance roundup here in a moment. But I wanted to say something. Speaking of shows that are a little bit lighter and more enjoyable, last week's show was a lot of fun. So if you don't want to be um, uh, bummed out with grim depression by the end of this hour talking about surveillance, you might want to go back and listen to last week's show. We had a very, and I'm going somewhere with this, we had a very thoughtful and uh, engaging conversation with Jeff Deutsch, who is the director of the Seminary Co-op Bookstores in Chicago, long-lived, beloved pair of independent bookstores, and he has written a book called In Praise of Good Bookstores, which we talked about. We talked about what makes a good bookstore and 
we talked about specific bookstores in the New York area because Jeff Deutsch is, is from New York originally. Actually, he mentions in the interview that he grew up listening to WFMU. And so we talked about The Strand and Three Lives and some of the others. You can go back and listen to the interview in the archives at WFMU.org or on the one-page site, tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm. The reason I'm telling you about last week's show and our listing of independent bookstores is because something really positive and beautiful and amazing happened after that show. Long-time listener to the show, David in London, came up with yet another infographic, as he has done in several past shows where we have listed a bunch of, I don't know, books or movies or whatever, because it wasn't just Jeff and, and, and I who were listing bookstores. The listeners on the comment board were also listing their favorite independent bookstores. And I had actually prompted that on the, on the comment board because I'm, I'm interested to know where are people from and uh, what are the independent bookstores that they like because I'm a big fan of independent bookstores. Anyway, the listeners really came through. There were dozens of recommendations for independent bookstores all over North America and a couple in the UK as well. Well, David in London came up with an infographic that you can see on the playlist this evening. This thing is amazing. It's a map. It's a, it's a geographic map of North America. Well, the U.S., the continental U.S., and part of Canada. Sorry, all of Canada. We, we have part of Canada there. And then a little bit of the area around London, U.K. And he has put a pin on every location where a listener recommended an independent bookstore. So he looked up the location of each one and pinned it on the map. And then if you look on the left, there is an alphabetized list of all of the independent bookstores. This is amazing, right? And so you can see at a glance where our recommendations as a tectonic listening community uh, came from. And if you happen to be in one of those cities or about to visit one of those cities, you can look it up and then you can visit one of the independent bookstores recommended by a fellow listener. And that's not all. This, <laughs> it goes one more step and I promise we'll get the surveillance. But I'm really excited about this. David in London, unlike the previous infographics that he did, which were really beautiful, well-designed visualizations of, of the, the lists that we'd come up with in past shows, this time what David and Linda did is he made an interactive version of the infographic such that you can click into the map and you can zoom in to see exactly where it is in the city in relation to the other pins for the other bookstores and so on. So uh, if you go, here's how you can experience this, uh, this, this wonderful infographic, in, interactive infographic for yourself. Go to the playlist. It's at WFMU.org. If you're listening live, go to WFMU.org. And then on the WFMU homepage, click the little link on the left that says playlist and comments. And then you'll, you'll see it. You see it come up. It's front and center. You can't miss it. If you're listening in the future, the easiest way probably is to go to the one-page site, tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm, and then click the playlist for tonight's show, June 6, 2022, and there it will be. Uh, the, this infographic is called My Back Pages, a Tectonic List. So thank you to David in London. If you're on the comment board, please join me in thanking David in London for this latest uh, gift that he has given to all of us uh, within the tectonic community. And there is your lighthearted entry to the show. <laughs> because there's not going to be a whole lot uh, later, although possibly the musical interlude will, will um, supply a moment of levity in a, in a weird sort of way, which we may get to later. But having, having said, having covered last week's show, let me dive in, let me dive right in to the promised theme of this evening's show, which is the Surveillance Roundup. And as I said in the description of this show, this is about the continual growth of the surveillance state. And when I say surveillance state, um, I, I want you to understand, especially if you're a new listener to the show, I'm not saying this as a kind of throwaway phrase that stands for, I am grumpy about iPhones. And so I'm just going to throw around this, this term, surveillance state. I'm just going to yell at the sky for a bit here. That's not 
my intent with that phrase. I'm actually using this seriously without any irony or exaggeration that there is a surveillance state being built here in the United States right now. It's at all levels of the government, federal, state, and municipal. And through the constant encouragement, uh, both to consumers and via their lobbyists to the government, the constant encouragement of the growth of the surveillance state from the big tech companies, it's happening at every layer of the technology that you use in your daily life. If you use an iPhone, you're being surveilled. If you use an Android phone, you're being surveilled times 10. <laughs> um, if you use a web browser, you're being surveilled. If you use a desktop computer, you're being surveilled. If you walk down the street, any street just about in New York City, and you walk past one of those Link NYC towers that have all those superficially happy and, and cutesy little sayings and, and trivia data points about the city, you're being surveilled by the three cameras that are hidden on each of those towers. By the way, that data all from the cameras and from the hidden sensors, which have still not yet been fully divulged, that data flows back to a subsidiary of Google. So the Link NYC towers are really closely aligned, actually owned uh, by Google. And Google, in at least one of its facilities in Chelsea, is co-located with uh, either the NYPD or one of the anti-terrorism bureaus. I can't remember which one. I'd, I'd have to look it up. But there is uh, law enforcement that is co-located with Google servers, um, purely, purely not by coincidence, friends. Uh, a surveillance state is being built all around us for consumers, for citizens, for taxpayers, for employees, for contractors. And so my goal here is to fill in with some supporting data and some supporting news sources, fill in the details of my assertion that the surveillance state is growing. So that again, you as a listener know the direction that things are taking. And I'm not saying this because I have a great solution. I don't have a great solution to this. It's, it's hard to imagine anyone escaping the, the dragnet of the totalizing surveillance that's coming at us. But I figure at least, at the very least, people can have better awareness of what's happening. And maybe occasionally they can make better choices than to toddle around the streets with their face buried in a smartphone. Let's move to the first story. Uh, this is just a very basic, very, very basic entry-level understanding of surveillance. This comes from uh, a blog post from a company called Atlas VPN, which I don't know too much about. I think they must run a VPN. But I was interested in the content, not so much in the company, but in the content of this post. You can find all these links, by the way, are on the playlist. Again, go to WFMU.org, click playlist and comments. The headline is, Google collects almost 40 data points per user, the most out of all top tech giants. So basically, this VPN company did a, store, did a, uh, did a study of how much data is being hoovered up by the big tech companies in their normal operations, whether you do a Google search, you use Gmail uh, for Amazon, maybe you search Amazon or buy something on Amazon. Facebook, of course, is nothing but a toxic surveillance cesspool, so anything that you do on Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp is, is fully surveilled. So they, they looked at all of the big tech companies and said, Who's, who is taking the most data points of all of them, and it was Google. And Atlas VPN says exactly what data that Google is taking. This is just in your normal course of, of behavior uh, using Google. It says, Google gathers the following, your name, your phone number, your payment information, if you've made any purchases through Google, your email address, the, the content of the emails you send and receive, the films, photographs, documents, and spreadsheets you have stored and your comments on YouTube. On top of that, Google records your search keywords, your video views, your interactions with content, and your interactions with advertisements. Even calls made through Google are not private, since Google records calling and receiving party numbers, forwarding numbers, call times, dates, call durations, routing information, and call types. And I don't even think that is 
all of the 39 data points that Atlas VPN was listing that Google collects. Uh, that's, again, just, this is just entry level. When you use Google, you are being fully and totally and constantly surveilled. This, friends, is why I say at the end of every show, get off Google. There are alternatives. For just about every use that you're putting Google to, there are alternatives out there that either don't surveil you at all or surveil you much, much less than what Google does. There are alternatives to Google. If you continue to use Google, you are being surveilled. So is your partner. So are your neighbors. So are your kids, your nephews, your nieces, your community, your entire country is being surveilled by Google. This is just 101, friends. This is... This is, not, this is just table stakes. I'm not even telling you anything surprising. But it's just, it's important once in a while in a roundup show to say these things out loud so that we know what the stakes are for the topic that this, co this show covers. Let's move to the next one. Twitter. So we're going to set uh, the surveillance of Google aside briefly, and we're going to go to Twitter. There was news on May 25 just a few days ago from the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. And this comes straight from the FTC. The headline is, FTC charges Twitter with deceptively using account security data to sell targeted ads. So basically what happened here is that a few years ago, Twitter, for, for those people using Twitter, they got a little pop-up or a notification somehow from Twitter that said, hey, Twitter user, it's your buddy Twitter headquarters right here. What we would like you to do is we'd like you to give us your phone number and your email address purely for your security. We are your buddies. We just want to help you. And by giving us your phone number and your email address, hey, we're just going to make you safer because that's how great we are at Twitter. Well, any guesses out there what Twitter actually did with people's personal data? Oh my gosh, what an amazing conclusion! Twitter used it to further their aims in the surveillance state. They deceptively used that security data in order to sell targeted ads, which, which translated to growth and profit. Here comes the FTC again. The firm, that is to say Twitter, profited by allowing advertisers to use this data to target specific users. Here comes uh, FTC chairperson Lena Khan, who I think is great. Lena Khan is fantastic. Here's Lena Khan. Quote, Twitter obtained data from users on the pretext of harnessing it for security purposes, but then ended up also using the data to target users with ads. This practice affected more than 140 million Twitter users while boosting Twitter's primary source of revenue. Nice job, Twitter. You lie, you cheat, and you steal. Excellent job. Don't worry, you're, you, I'm sure you'll catch up to Google and Facebook at some point with a lack of any sort of ethics like that. You're well on your way. Congratulations. Let's move to the next story. Okay. This is going to talk about the experience of employees now. Before, when I was talking about Google and Twitter, that affects everybody. Could just be regular, you know, ordinary citizens who are trying <laughs> to use Google honestly or Twitter. They somehow believed when they said, we're keeping you safe. Uh, now we're going to talk about employees of a particular company. This comes from, uh, this comes from Insider from May 27. And it's about J.P. Morgan. You ever heard of them? Little, uh, little bank on Wall Street. Okay, J.P. Morgan employees describe growing, quote, paranoia. That's a word from a J.P. Morgan employee. As the company tracks their office attendance, calls, calendars, and more. And I'm going to read you a little bit of this article. This is about J.P. Morgan and by the way, they're not alone here. I'm not saying this to um, single out J.P. Morgan, but they're just a beautiful test case of what's happening in a lot of leading companies right now that are fully embracing the surveillance state and turning it, really weaponizing it against their own employees and contractors. Okay, so here's Insider. One worker, this is at J.P. Morgan, one worker even installed a, quote, mouse jiggler <laughs> to evade 
what they called Big Brother. Okay, so what's happening and what is a mouse jiggler? Here's Insider from May 27. J.P. Morgan Chase built a powerful data collection platform called the Workplace Activity Data Utility, or WADU. I'm sure they pronounce it something. Wadu, Wadu, Wadu. They, they created this Wadu shortly before the advent of the coronavirus pandemic. It has inspired widespread suspicion and mistrust in the two years since, the workers say in interviews. The bank now tracks a variety of workplace-related data about hundreds of thousands of workers' communications and activities throughout the day. Tracking of individual employees' activities begins the moment they log into their virtual workspaces until they log out. And in order to evade the system's detection during breaks or interludes during the day, some employees described adopting what Insider calls unusual behaviors. And that brings us to the mouse jiggler. I, I feel like I should have the, the reverb on when I say that, but that's really more Matt Warwick's game. Mouse jiggler. Uh, what's happening there is that this, this Orwellian system now is spying on employees to track exactly how long they take when they're away from their computer, which must mean they're goofing off. How long was that bathroom break? How long was that snack break? You shouldn't take that long to go get coffee, and so on. So there is some, some opaque watcher, algorithmic watcher, that they can't see and they can't control and they didn't consent to, that's watching them and tracking them in some obscure ways that, that leaves them on edge. And so apparently what's happened is there's some folk knowledge that has grown up within pockets of J.P. Morgan employees. And they, they trade tips on how to evade Big Brother. They say, hey, hey, buddy, do you want to have a longer coffee break? Hey, buddy, you want to stay in the bathroom an extra two minutes? I've got the goods right here. What is it? What is it, Bob? Oh, I'll tell you. I call it the mouse jiggler. And what this, <laughs> what this thing does is it's a little, I'm assuming, it's a little mechanical thing that just moves the mouse left and right, left and right, left and right. And I'm, I'm moving the station computer's mouse right here so I can look at it. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. And as long as that mouse pointer is jiggling back and forth, you must not be in the bathroom. You must be right at home in your seat where you stew in your own juices for nine to 10 work hours a day for the benefit of the executives of the great corporation of J.P. Morgan Chase. And what they don't know, what that Orwellian system doesn't know is that your, <laughs> your jiggling mouse means you're actually getting a ham sandwich. I mean, really, this is like, what do they call it when the hobos used to ride the trains and they would take some chalk and they would write little uh, mysterious little symbols on the sidewalk that say, you know, bread and soup this way. You can get a shower this way, buddy. Just two more blocks. What was it? I think it was called war chalking. Wasn't it called war chalking? It, this sounds to me what the J.P. Morgan employees are doing, trading folk was, they sound like hobos from the 1930s. Hey, buddy, yeah, can you spare a mouse jiggler? I want that ham sandwich. I'm real hungry. J.P. Morgan Chase. I'm reading a book right now, by the way, called Internet for the People. Ben Tarnoff, who's a past guest on the show, uh, is going to be back on, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, within a few weeks. Uh, I haven't had the interview yet, but it's coming. But anyway, Internet for the People, it's a really good book, and uh, we're going to talk all about it in the future. But one, the section that I happen to read today on the PATH train uh, coming over, surrounded on both sides by people with their faces buried in their iPhones, was about surveillance from employers to contractors and where that started and I mean digital surveillance, tracking every move and like 39 different metrics on everything the contractor does. It really started and was per perfected in a way by Uber because they needed a way to manipulate their drivers into working longer hours for lower pay. And so uh, the, the Uber design team that was, I'm sure, very well paid by the executives who were in, in turn very well paid by the investors not by the profits, because Uber's never had any, any of those, 
but uh, the design team drew on the wonderful lessons from slot machine designers in Las Vegas in order to, again, weaponize those against honest, hardworking people who are actually trying to do, make, a, make a living, you know, feed their kids by driving people around from A to B as, as safely as they could. But no, let's deceive them. Let's track them. Let's surveil them. Let's manipulate them. Whether it's Google or Twitter or Uber or J.P. Morgan Chase, all of it is rotten. That's what's at stake in the surveillance state, friends. That's what's at stake. Oh, and you think, <clears throat> excuse me, you think, well, thank goodness it's not me. I work for a small company that doesn't have the resources yet uh, to, to deploy these surveillance tactics against our small group of employees, and we're just a little happy family. All we do is we have these meetings and we go on Zoom. We go on Zoom every week or two, and we have a nice, fun little party on Zoom with our remote employees. Well, did you hear this, friends, from Futurism on May 20? The headline was, Experts Alarmed by Zoom's Technology for Detecting Users' Emotions. And the story goes on to say, this is from Thomson Reuters Foundation, human rights experts are worried about Zoom's plans to develop emotion-detecting software for its products. In an April blog post on Zoom.com, I presume, the company announced plans for the technology, arguing that emotion and sentiment surveillance could drive sales and productivity. Well, my goodness, here I was worried about human rights and deception and surveillance and exploitation. I'm sorry, it's going to increase sales. How did I miss that? Oh, this is wonderful. Great job. Great job. Deploy your emotion surveillance against every user of Zoom in the world so that you can increase sales. I'm sorry for doubting you. So friends, if you work for a small business that uses Zoom for these fun little happy meetings, just know that Zoom has its eye on you and your coworkers. And it's ready to start deploying opaque analysis of you, your sentiment, your voice, your behavior, your words, your text, everything. Everything that Google already does, Zoom is going to deploy against you sooner or later because it improves sales. That's why. But you didn't think it was for your benefit, did you? Let's be clear. The surveillance state is not for your benefit. It's for someone else's benefit. And like they say about the rube at the poker table, if you look around the poker table and you don't know who the rube is, you just answered your own question. So look around the table. You're sitting with Google that you use. You're sitting with Zoom that you use. You're sitting with Chase who you bank with. You're sitting with Twitter that you check. Those are the people around the poker table. Do you know who the rube is? You shouldn't have to ask. Let's go to the next one. Well, you could say, this is all fine and good, Mark. But I expect when I'm on a computer, I'm probably going to leave a data trail. Who can do anything about that? You can't escape. It's inevitable. So let's keep going. Do it anyway. Oh, what can you do? It's inevitable. Well, I'm going to bank with Chase because that's the one that's closest to my apartment. And what, what else are you going to do? Any other banks better than them? Probably not. <clears throat> Twitter, I only use it to, to look at jokes anyway. It's not a big deal. And Zoom, I would get fired if I didn't get on the birthday Zoom once a week with my coworkers. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? How often do I hear that? It's inevitable. What are you going to do? My next question is, well, what do you really love when you, when you log off from that toxic work environment with that toxic exploitative tech that you're forced to use? No, no uh, argument there that you'll be fired if you step away from it. <laughs> you should be using a mouse jiggler, friend. But really, what do you do when you want to blow off some steam? And here in New York City, I personally am not a sports fan, but I know some friends who are diehard sports fans, and I have no problem with that, no judgment. I happen not to be a sports fan. I have friends and family who love sports. Either way is fine, but I just want to point something out. Somebody says, well, I just love the Mets. 
What's the, what's the chant? Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. And when I want to blow off some steam, I go over to Queens or maybe you live in Queens. I go over to, do I have to say it? I'd like to say Mets Stadium, RIP Shea Stadium. Do I have to say it? City Field. Thank you, sponsorship. And I watch the Mets play, and that's where I have a good time, and I try to forget about all of the toxicity and the digital tools that I'm forced to use. Well, did you see on Gothamist, there was an exciting new story about all the new concessions at City Field. The Mets are proud to announce all the new kinds of snackies and meals and, and bites that you can get uh, from from various vendors, some of them local, some of them kind of interesting at City Field. And they have lots of game day promotions. You know these bobblehead promotions? I really don't know much about this, but I understand it's a thing. So Gothamist on April 15 wrote a story with a very positive story about what's happening at City Field. And uh, the headline was, opening day at City Field brings new eats and attractions for Mets fans. Oh, that's wonderful, eats and attractions. Let's, let's hear, friends, let's hear, what do the Mets have in store for us now that it's opening day? <laughs> a variety of speakers, I guess they had a launch event, a variety of speakers addressed everything from game day promotions, a Francisco Lindor bobblehead gnome, a Pete Alonzo polar bear bobblehead, I have no idea what I'm saying, the words I'm saying, but I'm trying to read them, friends. Uh, polar bear bobblehead, uh, from, from bobbleheads to some pretty futuristic technology. Quote, our new Mets Express entry technology will allow fans to use their face as their ticket to enter the ballpark, explained Oscar Fernandez, the Mets Vice President of Technology Solutions. Uh, okay, so from bobbleheads to some, quote, pretty futuristic technology. And that was it. That was, that was all they said about what Mr. Fernandez announced. You're going to use your face as your ticket. Oh, and then the, immediately afterward, Gothamist goes on to, the sandwich was very tasty, if slightly messy, with honey dripping off the sides of the biscuit. Then I moved on to Pig Beach Barbecue, a Brooklyn-based restaurant, the blah, 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 blah. And I go, wait, wait a second. In between the bobbleheads and the Pig Beach Barbecue, was there anything else that you would want to cover just a little bit more? Just maybe one more sentence. One of these is not like the others. We're giving away bobbleheads. We're going to scan your face. And we have Pig Beach Barbecue. Which one of those doesn't fit? This is how the surveillance state is rolled out, and I, I just cannot conceive of someone, a journalist, writing a story and, and writing it like that, and this is not to, to dig on Gothamist or whoever, I know there are editors and they have an angle, and maybe, maybe that person, maybe the journalist fought hard to get that one sentence in. So this is really not a criticism of Gothamist. I'm just saying... The end effect, and not just Gothamist, but really across the board, there is very little coverage of the surveillance state that is being built right under our noses. It's a bobblehead. They're going to scan your face. And you get some Pig Beach barbecue. It's going to be great. Come on in. Uh, 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 excuse me, about, about the uh, second one? Which one was the second one? Was that the honey dripping biscuit sandwich? No, 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 no. The one where you said you were going to scan my face? Oh, that, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's inevitable. You might as well enjoy it. And anyway, it's for your own convenience and security. And we have, oh, all kinds of experts telling us this is the way things are going. So I would say it's some pretty futuristic technology. Speaking of scanning faces, we have covered a company on the show multiple times in the past called Clearview AI. This is the company based in New York, one of those hot New York startups that uh, did the disruptive thing of scraping everybody's photo off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and anywhere they could f find them. They got billions of headshots. And, you know, when you post your photo on Facebook and Instagram, it's helpfully tagged with your name and all of your relationships. So, by the way, when you post your kid's photo on Facebook or Instagram, their face 
gets hoovered up by these companies as well, tagged, geolocated, and everything else. So just know that you're giving your child's image to third-party companies who are going to do who knows what with it. Just know. Just know, okay? And that goes for your photo, your partner's photos, your neighbors, nephews, nieces, neighbors, community, and entire country. So Clearview AI has billions of these headshots and names and all uh, collated with where they're located and who they're related to and so on. And uh, Clearview AI says, oh, it's, it's purely for your convenience. Uh, think, of, think of all the benefits for us having a database of everyone's face. Um, it's so many benefits, which we can't, even, we can't even list them all. We can't even list one benefit, really, to an ordinary person. Uh, other than the benefits to us for making billions of dollars, potentially, in investor money and so on. But Clearview AI keeps coming up in the news because various states and various groups have, had, have tried, have made attempts to, to shut them down or to slow them down. And Clearview AI keeps dodging and working with law enforcement, the military, and other third parties that they probably don't want to talk about. And so this is from the AP News. April 1st, this is not an April Fool's story, this is for real, AP News, face scanner Clearview AI aims to branch out beyond police. Oh, well, congratulations. They're going to keep working with police and they're going to branch out beyond the police. Oh, that's great. Congratulations, guys. What's the plan? Quote, the New York startup is looking to launch a new business venture to compete with the likes of Amazon and Microsoft in verifying people's identity using facial recognition. Well, that's great. That's just great. Because you know how much we love the likes of Amazon and Microsoft here at Tectonic. So for Clearview AI to have their sights set on, on uh, that level of exploitation is just wonderful. The AP News story continues. The new, quote, consent-based product would use Clearview's algorithms to verify a person's face, but would not involve its ever-growing trove of 20 billion images, which CEO Tontat said is reserved for law enforcement use. That's reassuring. The 20 billion photos that he has just handed over to law enforcement uh, is he promises, promise, double dutch promises is not going to be used as he grows to the size of Amazon and Microsoft. Such ID checks that can be used to validate bank transactions <laughs> or for other commercial purposes are the least controversial use case of facial recognition. So let me just stop there. So here's a guy who's handed 20 billion images that he grabbed without citizen's consent. He's handed them over to law enforcement and he says, by the way, great news, I'm expanding even bigger, <clears throat> but this time I'm going to be expanding into some very low controversy facial recognition like bank transactions. And so what that means for you, friends, is that not only is your face and your kid's face in a law enforcement database somewhere, um, you are soon going to be asked to scan your face in order to deposit a check via the little bank app on your surveillance device called a smartphone. And so when you enter Met Stadium and they say, great news, now you can scan your face to walk in, that's just a normalization step that's getting you ready for the time when the bank says, great news, now you can scan your face to deposit a check. You see where this is headed? And then they're going to move up the stack to more and more, quote unquote, controversial uses of facial recognition until the point when finally, finally, the moment Google has been desperately waiting for when they can finally launch and announce great news. We have finally activated facial recognition on the Link NYC towers on every street in New York City just to keep you safe. It's coming, friends. The surveillance state is coming. Uh, by the way, about Clearview AI, the AP News story continues. One of Clearview's biggest known, not to mention the unknown clients, but one of their biggest known federal contracts is with ICE, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, particularly its investiga investigative arm, which has used the technology 
to track down both the victims and perpetrators of child sexual exploitation. That is a great sale line. Don't worry, we're, we're, we're working with ICE purely for the protection of children. There is no other possible reason that we would be taking probably millions of dollars from ICE. Nothing that we can think of, certainly nothing we would want to disclose publicly. Because everybody knows ICE only, only takes care of exploited children. There's nothing else that ICE does. Clearview in March also started offering its services for free to the Ukrainian military. I'm not even going to get into that rabbit hole. All right, so um, that, was, that was April 1st. There's a link from the Washington Post that says Clearview tells its investors that it's seeking a massive expansion. We heard about that. But now it says, <laughs> get this, that was what they told the AP, that they had 20 billion images, right? In the Washington Post, Feb 16, Clearview is telling investors it's on track to have 100 billion facial photos in its database within a year, enough to ensure, quote, almost everyone in the world will be identifiable. All right. I, where do you start with this? And by the way, this is Clearview AI, and you, you heard that they have a bit of an inferiority complex where they say, we, sure, we, we're on track to have 100 billion photos by the end of the year to be able to identify from a photo, from any camera, just about any human being living on the earth right now. No possible downsides to that regime, right? But really, we want to get bigger. We wish, we wish we had the reach of a Microsoft or an Amazon. And that should make you stop, friends, and think, what is it exactly that's happening at Microsoft and Amazon? that Clearview AI that already has 100 billion images thinks that it doesn't have nearly enough. This should make you really think and dig in just a little bit. What is it exactly that this Amazon Echo Alexa device on my kitchen table is there for? Who is it benefiting? What is it exactly that prompted Amazon to make a ginormous investment in these surveillance devices and buy TV advertising and bus ads and, and newspaper ads, trying to normalize and habituate the American public to the idea of putting a surveillance device on every kitchen table in the country. You should think, why? Why is it that Clearview AI, which is clearly one of the worst actors in the surveillance state that's being built, is still wanting to expand so that they might aspire to be in the ballpark the city field ballpark of surveillance near Amazon. Why? And what is it that Microsoft is doing that's so profitable and interesting that Clearview AI might want to mimic it someday? Worth digging into, friends. But I want to move on in facial recognition. We're going to leave Clearview AI aside for a moment. We're going to move on to a, a very important story by Kashmir Hill in the New York Times on May 26. This is about a completely different company, not Clearview, not Amazon, not Microsoft. It's a new company. It's called Pim Eyes, P-I-M-E-Y-E-S. I don't know what it means. Pim Eyes. And this is one where, well, let me just read you a snippet from this story. The uh, May 26 New York Times, a face search engine anyone can use is alarmingly accurate. So we heard that we heard that Clearview AI is working with police departments everywhere and ICE and now it's working with banks and it's going to go into other commercial transactions and they're working on 100 billion facial, fa facial images that they've scraped from everywhere. Well, in none of that did I say that you could go use Clearview yourself. But this, PEMIS, is something that you can go out and use. Here's what Kashmir Hill writes in the Times, quote, for $29.99 a month, a website called Pim Eyes offers a potentially dangerous superpower, potentially really, potentially dangerous superpower from the world of science fiction, the ability to search for a face, finding obscure photos that would otherwise have been as safe as the proverbial needle in the vast digital haystack of the internet. A search takes mere seconds. You upload a photo of a face, check a box agreeing to the terms of service, 
and then you get back a grid of photos of faces deemed similar with links to where they appear on the internet. So if you or your kids or your partner or your friends, nieces, nephews, community or country have headshots anywhere on the internet, on some obscure site that has a couple of photos here, some obscure site there that has a headshot on some bio page from years and years ago, or has a photo from maybe some environment or, or event that you wouldn't want publicized to the whole world, well, PimEyes is happy to solve that problem. For $29.99 a month, you go on and you and or your stalker can find all photos of you with a link to the site where that photo lives so that they can get full contact, full context, and then contact you at their leisure. Now, if you've listened to the show long enough, you should, you should not need me to uh, list out all of the horrifying downsides and inevitable, we want to talk about inevitable, inevitable problems that are going to result from the popularization of things like PIMIs. I'm sure it's not going to be the only company that does this. Uh, you might think, well, it's so clear that this is a very bad idea. There should be regulation that, that prevents this from happening. But the founder was interviewed in that New York Times piece, and the founder reassured Kashmir Hill, no problem. It's not going to be a problem. I've already thought of this. I've heard the... I've heard the counterpoints, and I can assure you, this is what he told Kashmir Hill, quote, he was relying on people to act ethically, offering little protection against the technology's erosion of the long-held ability to stay anonymous in a cloud, in a crowd, excuse me, ha, <laughs> that's funny. Yes, you cannot stay anonymous in a cloud either, can you, friends? But what I want to point out there is that the founder of PIMIS assured everyone that he has thought of everything, there is nothing to worry about because he hopes that everyone is gonna act ethically. Well, not, not him, not him. He's not gonna act ethically, but he wants everyone else to act ethically uh, long enough for him to be able to sell the company to Google or Amazon or Microsoft and or IPO, become a billionaire, build his hideout, move to New Zealand, cut all ties with the rest of the citizens of his home country, and then live in peace until he's able to get a ride on Elon Musk's rocket to Mars, where he will live out the rest of his days on the red planet. I understand that's the business model of very many billionaires right now, but I just, I just want to Make sure you understand, friends, that the, the construction of the surveillance state is being sold to you on the just insultingly flimsy proposition that we have nothing to worry about because we should all just act ethically. I mean, the sick irony of, of these tech bros who don't have a shred of ethics. Look at the track record of what they've done to our society. And, and their defense that they come out with, don't regulate us, we're just gonna wait for everybody else to act ethically. It's insulting that they would even say that out loud. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. I want to get absurdly rich before the regulations catch up with my company. Just say it. I want to live on Mars. Just say it. I'm in love with Elon Musk. Just say it. Just say, just tell the truth. It would be so much easier if the tech pros would just tell the truth. Yes, I want a billion dollars and I never want to see another non-billionaire again, unless they're my personal chef or the dude who's gonna pilot the rocket to Mars. Just say it. We would get so much further. These guys who are all about efficiency, why do you keep saying there's nothing to worry about? You're wasting all of our time. Just tell the truth about what you're after. All right. Um, well, it's not quite early enough for me to do the musical interlude. Um, so maybe I'll do that on a, on a later show. But um, <laughs> it looks like the comment board has been kind of active this evening, and I appreciate everyone coming together and weighing in on these topics. I obviously have not had a chance to uh, look at 
the comments just yet, although when I'm off air, I'll begin reading through them. And uh, at some point, I believe this summer, I'm going to have a Q&A episode where I'm going to ask you to mail in uh, text, like an, an email or audio of you asking a question that I can take on the show. So maybe there's going to be some conversations there that lead to that. Um, I will say that this evening is the first show, the first episode for Tectonic in the new summer schedule, 2022 with WFMU. There are some changes on the calendar, and I'm excited to hear uh, a new show, at least a new show for the 7 p.m. time slot called Spin the Globe, Spin the Globe with DJ Ebba, which is going to be coming up in nine minutes and uh, that is going to be followed, as usual, by my buddy Dan Boda uh, with another great episode of Vocal Fry. And then after that, with my brother Daniel Blumen from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight with the show called Daniel Blumen. And, and so on and so forth. So I hope you'll stay tuned for those three shows, Spin the Globe, Vocal Fry, and Daniel Blumen. And that will get us a nice kickoff to the summer schedule. Um... I want to I maybe talk about one more constituency that is being affected uh, by the surveillance state. And again, friends, this is simply a roundup. It's, it's not a deep dive into any one of these things. I want to just give you the direction, the trajectory of where the surveillance state is being built out so that as it continues to grow, and there's nothing that's slowing it down right now. As it continues to grow, at least you'll be aware of what's happening. And you'll have uh, a better ability to acknowledge it and to recognize it as it begins to increasingly impact your day-to-day -day life. Whether you're at work or you're just doing a regular search or you're a fan of the Mets or really the facial recognition kiosks are showing up everywhere, airports, um, Amazon, of course, has its surveillance uh, grocery stores where they have cameras on stocks, uh, watching a grid of cameras on stocks straight out of the matrix, watching people as they walk around the stores um, and using, again, those same patterns and technologies from the casino de designers uh, in Las Vegas to use people's behavior against them in order to manipulate them quietly, subtly, to take actions that are against their own long-term self-interest. That's where Amazon's growth lies. And the growth of many big tech companies lies in surveilling you to the nth degree so that they can feed that back in ways that quietly manipulate you to act in ways that serve the long-term interest of the company, its senior leadership and its investors and financializing partners on Wall Street. If you have to be manipulated, addicted, harmed, deceived, or even hurt, or God forbid killed, as people have been in Myanmar due to Facebook's algorithm, uh, that's secondary to the company. And they will only pay attention to it publicly if there's a big enough PR blowback that they will have to say, we take it very seriously, we're working very hard, we have a new uh, working group, and uh, by the way, we've just hired three more moderators, so that should take care of it. Now get out of our face, we're going back to making money. Uh, in all of these instances, I have not yet talked about the plight of students in American schools. Now, based on what happened in Uvalde recently, there's a lot I could say about the experience of students in American schools. Um, but I'm almost out of time. I will say just today, just today, in The Guardian came out the story from the company Axon, which makes tasers. Go back and listen to my show from July 15, 2019, um, about the book Thin Blue Lie, which is a profile of that company, of, of taser, then renamed Axon. Well, this company has proposed, because of the recent shooting in the school in Uvalde, Texas, that they would like to, do, they're happy to announce that they are working on a new drone. This is not a joke. Taser is working on a new drone that is going to float around in American schools. And when the algorithm decides that they see an active shooter, they're going to deploy a taser on that individual. How is that for a learning environment for American school children? 
to see a taser-equipped drone floating around the hallways and the classrooms of their school. And this is before I get to all of the other EdTech nonsense that has been growing, largely led by Google and Google Classroom, but there is a whole industry of people coming up behind uh, and trying to mimic what Google's doing to, to have a place at the trough to get their own profits from exploiting and manipulating American school children. Uh, and there's a, another story by Kashmir Hill. She does great work in the New York Times, May, May 27, 2022. I don't have time to go through this, but go to the playlist at tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, tonic.fm. Read it. Headline, accused of cheating by an algorithm and a professor she had never met. A story about an American student um, that was wrongly accused of cheating by an algorithm. This is happening more and more. And then a very amusing story by Brooklyn College teacher, Professor uh, Matt Crump from May 26, talking about the cheating that actually was happening on a WhatsApp channel run by his students. WhatsApp, of course, uh, owned by Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. That's about all the time I have for the surveillance roundup. Uh, again, go to tectonic.fm or wfmu.org in the archives, and you can get to the playlist and read all about this. My email is mark at wfmu.org, M-A-R-K at wfmu.org. You have been listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 uh, FM and online at wfmu.org. Until next time, friends, you know exactly what to do. Avoid Amazon and Apple. Forget Facebook. And whatever you do, and I'm serious, whatever you do, get off Google. Now let's listen to some Bach played by three Commodore 64s and a human player. I'll see you next time, friends.
hayatıma cemi konağı tutmaz Fıratıma cemi konağı tutmaz Oğlunda pek küçük yerini tutmaz Oğlunda pek küçük yerini tutmaz Yerini tutmaz 